Welcome to Day 218 of Shaped by the Word, the Drama of Scripture. I'm Paul Kemp here with David Keefe and Matt Kresge. Uh, the women will join us a little bit later in the week. It's just us guys hanging out here today. We're finishing up the book of Ezra, then we'll uh, lean into the book of Nehemiah this week. And it's important for us to remember where we are. This is where you kind of need to go to the corner of the mall and look at the sign and say, you are, you are here. Uh, there's been some big movements. Obviously, you know, the Bible starts with creation and then the fall. And then the promises made to Abraham in which Abraham would be a people through which all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And that people is the nation of Israel. And God has a place for Israel, a land that he has prepared for them. So he brings them into the land. And there is a, a moment, you know, a high moment in the nation of Israel under King David uh, where they flourish under a ruler after God's own heart. Then his son Solomon, uh, you know, takes the throne, and, and they flourish, you know, in, in ways that a lot of nations would want to flourish. They flourish in wealth. They flourish in expanding their boundaries, but they begin to fall away from God. And eventually, king after king, uh, reign after reign, they fall even further away from God until God finally enacts a judgment on them uh, that He promised He would react all the way back uh, before they even enter the land. He would drive them out of the land, scatter them through the nations and allow the land to have the rest that they never gave it. He cast them out of the land the way he cast um, the people out of the land before him. So we have a beleaguered Israel under Ezra and under Nehemiah coming back uh, under King Artaxerxes, under King Cyrus. They're able to come back and rebuild uh, both the temple and later on this week the walls around Jerusalem, but it's a small remnant. And so as we finish, uh, we finish the book of Ezra, Ezra's deeply disturbed that he sees the people immediately falling back in the patterns that they had fallen in before that lead to their judgment. And we see him taking what, you know, to us might be a kind of extreme action, uh, you know, here, but he is deeply guarding, you know, the purity of the people of God through whom, you remember that little echo all the way in the beginning, the seed uh, was to one day come. And so you have echoes of that in this. So we go to Ezra chapter 9 as we finish and it does not finish on a high note. Uh, so before we read, uh, as always, uh, we pause and offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord. Matt, you mind lifting us up with yeah. a word of prayer? Let's pray. Father, we are, are grateful for this time together as your people and your word. Thankful that you have spoken to us and revealed your heart and character to us. Father, we, um, we confess that we're far too much like the Israelites, far too much um, like the people um, of old that we read stories about who um, who turn to to various idols who forsake your word and, and turn towards other things um, and so father we are in need of your grace we're in need of um, of your mercy and, and father this um, this morning this this day we we confess um, our sin to you and, and we lean into your grace would you be with us as we read your word um, father would you speak to us it's in Christ's name we pray amen in Ezra chapter 9, after these things had been done, the leaders came to him and said, The people of Israel, including the priests and the Levites, have not kept themselves separate from the neighboring peoples with their detestable practice, like those of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, Ammonites, Moabites, Egyptians, and Amorites. They've taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons and have mingled the holy race with the peoples around them, and the leaders and the officials have led the way in this unfaithfulness. When I heard this, I tore my tunic and my cloak, pulled hair from my head and beard, and sat down appalled. 
Then everyone trembled at the words of the Lord of Israel gathered around me because of his unfaith- because of this unfaithfulness to the exile of the exiles. And I sat there appalled until the evening sacrifice. And then at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my self-abasement with my tunic and cloak torn and fell on my knees with my hands spread out to the Lord my God and prayed. I'm too ashamed and disgraced, my God, to lift up my face to you because our sins are higher than our heads and our guilt has reached to the heavens. From the days of our ancestors until now, our guilt has been great. Because of our sins, we and our kings and our priests have been subject to the sword and captivity, to pillage and humiliation at the hand of foreign kings as it is today. But now, for a brief moment, the Lord our God has been gracious in leaving us a remnant and giving us a firm place in his sanctuary. And so our God gives light to our eyes and a little relief in our bondage. Though we were slaves, our God has not forsaken us in our bondage. He has shown us kindness in the sight of the kings of Persia. He has granted us a new life to rebuild the house of our God and repair its ruins. And he has given us a wall of protection in Judah and Jerusalem. But now, our God, what can we say after this? For we have forsaken the commands you gave through your servants the prophets when you said, The land you are entering to possess is the land polluted by the corruption of its people. By their detestable practices, they have filled it with their impurity from one end to another. Therefore, do not give your daughters in marriage to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them at any time, that you may be strong and eat the good things of the land and leave it to your children as an everlasting inheritance. What has happened to us is a result of our evil deeds and our great guilt, and yet, our God, you have punished us less than our sins deserve and given us a remnant like this. So we then break your commands again and intermarry with the peoples who commit such detestable practices. Would you not be angry enough with us to destroy us, leaving us no remnant or survivor? Lord, the God of Israel, you are righteous. We are left this day as a remnant. Here we are before you in our guilt, though because of it not one of us can stand in your presence. While Israel was praying and confessing, weeping and throwing himself down before the house of God, a large crowd of Israelites, men, women, and children, gathered around him. They too wept bitterly. And then Shechaniah, son of Jehiel, one of the descendants of Elam said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women from the peoples around us. But in spite of this, there is still hope for Israel. Now let us make a covenant before our God to send away all these women and their children in accordance with the counsel of my Lord and of those who fear the commands of our God. Let it be done according to the law. Rise up. This matter is in your hands. We will support you. So take courage and do it. So Ezra rose up and put the leading priests and Levites and all Israel under an oath to do what had been suggested. And they took the oath. And Ezra withdrew from before the house of the God and went to the room of Jehanan, son of Eliashib. While he was there, he ate no food and drank no water because he continued to mourn over the unfaithfulness of the exiles. And we've never really, you know, gotten this right, you know, as God's people, our engagement with culture. Uh, we are, you know, to be, in the course of God's purpose through Abraham was to be a blessing, you know, to all the nations. But uh, more often than not, when we engage with, you know, the culture around us, we, we begin to look more like the culture. And the culture has a greater influence on us than we do on the culture. And, of course, this is a very important you know, movement in Israel, and you're going to see the vestige of this when Jesus you know, comes into, uh, into Judaism and into you know, Jerusalem where the Pharisees have these 
incredible protection set up and have so distanced themselves, you know, from the world around them, uh, you know, that they have no impact, you know, what mm-hmm. whatsoever. So usually we're we're sling, you know swinging from one you know extreme to another. Uh, we were uh, look so much like the culture around us that we can't not have a positive impact, and we're so withdrawn from it that we can't have a positive impact. So you see, you see a strong reaction from the leaders in Israel at this time, because this is a very real threat. We are going to look like the people around us, and we're going to lose everything we've gained. And there's just a few of us. As we read Nehemiah this week, you're going to just see how how really difficult it is for Israel to be a separate nation in, in these conditions. Now we we see that from the start that you know even. The people of Israel, including the priests and the Levites, have not kept themselves separate from neighboring people and their, tes- their detestable acts. And the leaders and the officials have led out in the way of unfaithfulness. And you know, we've seen that you know time and time again. You know, in the people of Israel. And you know, I always do love how the story does continue on, though. And and even then, when we get to the Book of Acts, though, you know, we do see this really cool glimpse, though, of the people of God, and they're living among the city, among the culture. And they are having a profound effect on it. You know, men and women are getting saved, you know, daily. And so we uh, for a brief ten yeah, minutes. Yeah, I know that's for what I'm a saying. brief ten minutes <laughs> and so the it is just, of the church. You it see it's the church, cool to see you that. see the people of God being and to see what it could look uh, like being the people of God. Yeah. And of course there are pockets of that all through yeah. uh, all through church history, but more often than not mm-hmm. the people of God uh, blend in with the culture or find themselves mm-hmm. far too separated from the culture to have you know, any meaningful impact. And uh, you'll see both when you come, you know, when we come to the New Testament. The Sadducees are far too enculturated, and of course, the yeah. Pharisees are far too separate. Yeah, you know, and it makes me think of as we think about the role of Israel, and God calls them to be a light to the nations, and and to you know be a blessing to the nations. You know, how were they to to be a blessing to the nations? You know, and, and include the nations in the life of Israel. You know, and and you get that note as David just read it. It wasn't just that they were, you know kind of hanging out with neighboring, you know, countries and peoples, but it was they included the detestable practices. They began their worship began to, you know, reflect the the worship of other people. They began to include all the worship of various things and and it goes into this, you know, it's it comes into really as the people of God tried to, you know, to live as the people of God, you know, what has God forbidden for yeah. the the nation of Israel? And we we see it clearly in in the law and in Deuteronomy that that Israel should not yeah, you know, marry with other to be nations. very, very careful at this point because, and of course, you see that even at the high point of Israel under, you know, under the kingship of David and then his son Solomon. Uh, you know, this is where Solomon's heart is turned away mm-hmm. by by his many foreign wives. So we yeah. recommend neither many nor foreign. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, in this particular instance, but uh, you know, he expand. You know, his worship is. Is deeply impacted by the way that you know they worship, and he becomes you know more like them, and so it is. You know, there there are a lot of hints in Israel's history that this is not good. And as soon as they're getting back, no sooner have they gotten back into the land, and and rebuilt the temple, which you know we've already read is is not anything like the former glory, you know, of of the temple. And they're barely hanging on. Uh, they're they're still compromising. Mm-hmm. I got you. Got to love verse thirteen, though. You know. Ezra's confessing all the sins of the people, and yet, and he's very honest. You know, what has happened is a result of our evil deeds and our great guilt, and yet, our God, you have punished us less than our sins deserve, and you have given us a remnant like this. So even in all of uh, 
we see, you know, that, that beautiful truth that God does not treat us, you know, as our sins deserve, yeah, but we still see repentance, and yeah. but we see the heart of God towards his people. Oh, that's great. Psalm 103. Mm-hmm. It's not true as our sins deserve to repay us according to our iniquities. Mm-hmm. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And you know, a lot of times we, we really turn on God when you know, bad things you know, happen to us because we think we're entitled mm-hmm. you know, to so much more. But uh, even the, the biggest tragedies in our life are not matched with the tragedy of our sin and our rebellion. You know, against against the Lord, and I say that in very soft tones because that's uh, that's a hard truth. Uh, but it is a uh, uh, we see again we see the tendencies you know, in Israel. You know, as Matt even you know, uh, in his prayer uh, reminded us, we see the tendencies of Israel, and and not only the church, but in ourselves, that we are too easily drawn away by the pretty shiny things around us, and the desire to be popular, and the desire you know to fit in, and. Uh, a desire to embrace, you know, that uh, suburban dream and, and fly from it so our hearts are easily distracted from pure devotion to Heavenly Father. Oh, God, may it never be, I, even though it always is, uh, that our hearts are, are drawn away from one true love, a love that uh, gives us hope beyond anything we can hold in our hands or see with our eyes or desire in our hearts. May our affections be set on you and and, and, and by that and through that, may we be transformed in your image and, and be a true light to the nations. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.